And we're back again, uh, celebrating together from afar. Uh, I think it's important to remember that we are still together, even though we are apart. And we pray it won't last long, but in the meantime, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we keep our eyes fixed on the fact that his church is still mobile and still here. Well, last week we started our series on who we're called to be based on a covenant that I uh, have found and that we'll be working through. We talked about how everything we do must stem from worship of God. And today I want to deviate a little bit from the covenant and insert one very important component of who we are called to be that is not found in that covenant, but is still a very important part, a, a pillar of our Christian faith, and that is prayer. We are definitely called to be a people of prayer. And this is one of those messages that I, I've had to preach to myself as I wrote it before I could preach it to you all. Um, and we're going to begin, as always, in God's Word. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then in Second Chronicles chapter 7, three verses, 13 to 15. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will hear their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive, attentive, to the prayers offered in this place. As with most of this series we're going to be doing, this is a topic that we could spend many weeks with messages on. Um, we even then wouldn't exhaust it. And I could do an entire sermon series on prayer, and I most likely will at some point in the future. But for now, for today, you're going to get the Coles Notes version. The, the, if you've attended post-secondary, this is the survey course uh, version of the Sermon on Prayer. We're going to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time, so strap in. But as we do, as we cover all of this ground, 
make sure that you're keeping in mind that this is part of a larger conversation of, as, of who we are meant to be as a church and as a people of God. Prayer, I think all of us would agree, is vital to the Christian faith. Prayer must be a part of everything we do. I think too often, though, we tend to plan and strategize and then ask God to bless our plans rather than starting with prayer. I want to make sure that we as a church don't make that mistake. We need to have prayer as a primary focus of all that we are and all that we do. Ruth Barton who's a favorite author of mine, says this, One thing I know for sure about prayer these days is that we do not know how to pray. It is only the young in Christ who think that they know how to pray. The rest of us are just beginners. So let's try to begin together, which is all we can really do. If there's one thing you get out of this sermon today, it's that. Let's begin again. I think we often tend to apply the scriptures we read into our own personal lives and our own personal prayer life, and we should. But we also need to apply those scriptures to our corporate prayer life. You know, as someone who grew up overseas in Latin America, one of the things I often lament about the North American church is our emphasis on individual. We, we focus on the individual's spiritual life rather than the communal one. Both need to happen. Both need emphasis. This is not an either-or situation. It is an and-both situation. Balance. Many years ago, Corey Ten Boom stated that prayer was becoming a lost art. She insisted that our generation would be badly harmed by our lack of prayer. I've always marveled at the mighty prayer warriors of, of history. D.L. Moody, it's reported, would often pray for three or four hours at a time. George Mueller was said to have done the same. People of faith are people of prayer. It would serve us well to follow their example. So, let's do a bit of overview on what it means to be a people of prayer. We're going to move quickly. And firstly, as we always should, we turn to Jesus. Because Jesus was a man of prayer. And we should follow his example. How many times do we read in the Gospels something along the lines of, and Jesus withdrew to pray? Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There are actually more than 20, it's actually more than 25 separate accounts of Jesus praying in the four Gospels. And this was from someone who needed nothing. He was perfect. So he wasn't even praying for his own sins the way we have to, the way we should. He was simply communing with his heavenly Father. He was leaning on God for all of his strength, and he prayed constantly. Jesus clearly modeled both individual and corporate prayer to his disciples and to us. He taught them to pray, and he reminded them to pray. We are told to pray in his name, John 4, 13. 
Because God loves to answer prayer, and He promises to hear our prayers. God loves to hear His people pray. He delights in, spend, in us spending time with Him, communing with Him. Matthew 6 tells us to find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. This isn't a pageant. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can. The focus will shift from you to Him. And then you begin to sense His presence and His grace. Again, this applies to us individually and corporately. We think on a personal level, you know, most of us don't often seek solitude out to pray. I think none of us do that enough, but I know for sure that we don't do this often enough as a community. When was the last time that we got together with a group of people and sought out quiet and solitude together to pray? That is something we will have to get better at as a people and as a church. Because he promises to answer our prayer. The answer is not always yes. Sometimes it's no, and sometimes the answer is to wait on his perfect timing. But he will always answer us. Romans 8 tells us that in no uncertain terms. But here's the thing. Prayer has this way of getting us to look beyond the answer, of, of refocusing us on something different. Prayer takes our eyes off of ourselves and sets them on God where they should have been all along. It's like that old great hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. In fact, the notion of lifting up one's eyes is talked about often in the Bible as a prayer unto itself. Jesus does this in John 11 and John 17. Peter, Silas, and Paul, and many others learn this lesson. When things aren't going so well, they simply lift up their eyes. When no words will come, lifting up one's eyes to where our help comes from is a prayer in and of itself. So do not be afraid of silence in your prayer life. In our world of 24-7 business and hurriedness, we've become afraid of silence. But sitting in God's presence in total surrender without speaking or consciously thinking a word can be a great gift. Try it sometime. It is uncomfortable in the best way possible. And it's humbling. We just read in 2 Chronicles 7, we just read it. God clearly says, if my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their back on their wicked lives, then he'll be ready for us. He says, I'll listen from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and restore health to their land. And this is not some obscure passage. This is one of those passages of Scripture that most of us are very familiar with. But we tend to gloss over the beginning of it. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It's as if God recognizes that just the idea of prayer itself 
is humbling to us as prideful humans. It's almost like he knows his creation well enough to know, to know our weakness, to know us better than we know ourselves. But prayer cannot be undertaken in any environment other than humility. To come before God, one first necessarily has to humble themselves. And it is something that we do imperfectly, but something we get better at. And something that happens naturally as we seek his face. And then, once we've humbled ourselves, prayer attunes our heart to the heart of God. So that we can understand his will for our lives and for this world around us. Verse 14 of Matthew 6 tells us that in prayer there is a connection between what God does and what we do. Pope Francis says, first you pray, then you act. That's how prayer works. And that's a dangerous thing. Bob Pierce, who founded World Vision, was famous for saying, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And if you recognize that, that's because it's included in a very popular worship song that I'm sure most of us are familiar with. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. But we talked about this last week. If we're going to sing that, if we're going to analyze the words of what we're singing, then we have to actually understand what it is we're saying and what we're asking for. Are we actually ready to have our hearts broken by poverty and injustice? Are we actually ready to have our hearts broken by our own sin? Because that's what we're singing, and that's what a life of prayer will lead to ultimately. So are we ready for that? Prayer will ultimately attune our hearts to God's, and then we will begin to see the world differently. And that's a good thing to be sure. But we need to be clear about the consequences. Are you ready for that kind of transformation? Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It is not selfish to pray for ourselves and for our church. Sometimes I know it can feel that way, but it is not. It is a good thing. But let's analyze these two verses I just read for a minute here. It's a simple formula. Ask, seek, knock. Why ask? Ask because it shall be given unto you. The Greek word erateo, eratao, my pronunciation of Greek is not good. The Greek word eratao means earnestly asking, insistent asking, without qualms like a child, almost begging, not commanding. Does that mean we'll be given everything we ask for? Well, again, we look to the example of Christ here. Ask for bread. Ask for fish. These were staples within the Israeli diet. They were daily essentials. They were not extravagances or ex excesses. But asked for earnestly, insistently, longingly. Then we, we seek. 
Why seek? Because you will find. What will we find? Only God knows that. But that's kind of the whole idea. If we're seeking, then he can lead us. And who knows what we'll find? Knock. Why knock? We knock because the door shall be opened to us. Again, what door? Only God knows. And that is a wonderful, beautiful thought. What lies beyond the door we're knocking at, we don't know. Only God knows. Again, ask, seek, not leads to some dangerous places. Are we ready for that? Are we ready to enter into the unknown because that's where God would have us go? And in this path, these two verses, all of the verbs here are the progressive tense. Keep on. In the original Greek, that's how they're worded. Keep on. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. This isn't a one-time event. Don't give up. Sometimes God wants to take our faith deeper and our trust deeper and our feet farther. But we have to keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. We have to be a people of prayer. A people who do not cease praying. And then, of course, Jesus tells us in Matthew to be specific when we pray. Be willing to seek the will of God in specific ways. So, here is my commitment to you all and my request of you all. I already made this request of you last week, but I'm going to make it again here. I pray for you all constantly. I'm not perfect at it. I have a long way to go. I have to be reminded constantly. But I make an effort to pray for you personally and corporately. And I'm going to ask you to do the same for me and for our church. When you don't know what to pray for, sit in silence. When you know what to pray for, ask God, be specific, and then submit that specificity to his perfect will. Because only he knows what the future holds for us. And his future, his plan is so much better than ours, I promise you. That's community. Praying for one another. Praying together. And that's what being part of the family of God is really all about. Individual, personal prayer is very important, but so is corporate prayer. Us, praying together. Us, praying for one another. In Ephesians 6, we read, Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And in James, we read, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Let me read that again. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Communal prayer is something that we cannot ignore. And we're not going to let something like COVID-19 stop us from it. God hasn't let this pandemic stop him, and we're not going to let it either. 
We will be a people who pray together and who are known for that. People who pray with and for one another, people who pray individually and in silence and solitude. Because that is who God has commanded us to be. Again, note the use of my verbs here. Be, not do. Prayer is something we do. But prayer needs to be so ingrained in us that it's part of our identity. That it seeps deep to who we are. As I said, we were going to move fast this morning, and we've covered a lot of ground. Because prayer is a big and complicated subject. And it's big and complicated because it's so simple. Scholars have spent entire lifetimes studying prayer, and they have died not ever grasping its complex beauty. But we have a God who has made prayer so accessible to us, so wonderfully accessible. You do not need a PhD to approach prayer. You simply have to humble yourself and begin again. You simply have to begin talking, or not. Once again, for the very first time, begin. Something as simple as, good morning, God, may I join you in what you are already doing? Or, good night, God, thank you for your protection today. And when no words will come, you simply need to sit in silence with him. A life of prayer. It is so comforting to know that God specifically tells us not to make our prayers fancy. As an occupational hazard, this is one of my uh, struggles. One of the things that I really try hard to fight against. Because we have a tendency to uh, make our prayers fancy and colorful and beautiful. and, And there's a place for that. I think God honors our creativity and our license to, uh, to express ourselves in new ways. But that is not what prayer is about. Prayer is about an honest heart, simply talking to God. There is so much more that we could say about prayer, and over the coming years, we will. Uh, I know I've said that a lot recently, but... At least you know you're not going to be too surprised at the kinds of messages you're going to be getting from me in the upcoming years. Do we wake in the morning and greet the Lord, asking him, asking him to be with us every minute of the day, imploring him to show us where he's been at work while we've slept and seeking to join him in what he's already doing? Do we speak to him throughout the day, praying for those around us, praying for ourselves? praying to him and thanking him for the beauty that is sunshine and rain and snow? Do we go to sleep each night thanking God for the many blessings of the day and asking his protection to work his will in us as we sleep? And so, of course, there's only one way to end a sermon on prayer. I'm going to pray, and at the end... I invite you to join with me, and join with me out loud wherever you may be today, wherever you may be watching this. It will probably be uncomfortable, but I'm asking you to join with me 
in reciting the Lord's Prayer from afar. Again, I'll pray and I'll uh, give you the signal and we will pray together the Lord's Prayer. Uncomfortable though it may be, just stop and pray. Let us bow. Lord, we bow our hearts before you and give you honor and praise. O God, strengthen our prayer lives. Remind us to pray more. Nudge us to pray when we're doing mindless tasks. Help us to know who we are in Christ, to understand that you always hear us. Bring us together to pray, and may the noise that we make be a sweet sound unto you. And now, Father, we pray as your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now, as you face another uncertain week, go and know that the triune God goes with you. Let him lead you each day into the quiet place of your heart where he will speak to you. Know that he blesses you and watches over you and he listens to you in gentle understanding that he is with you always, wherever you are and wherever, however you may feel. Amen.